On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. And there was shitty candy as a kid. There was people with their Ziploc bags of homemade popcorn and apples and shit. And you're like, well, I don't want your homemade baked goods. I'm not sure what the f*** this is. I'm about to find out. This is Tall Can Audio. And we are off and running again on an all-new week, an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. Matt Robinson here, Rob Christie over there. What are you saying today, man? I'm saying it's shitty weather. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm inside, so it doesn't really impact me. It's not like we're recording outside, but... Right. Are you getting ready to be, we'll let the good listener in, we are recording a little early today because of the uh, the occasion. Are you the uh, the candy distributor at the door? Is that your role tonight? Hell no. Okay. I am the guy who gets sequestered upstairs with with Chuck. Chuck and I will be up. Oh, so you drew the long straw. Like that would have been the one you wanted anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, no, for sure. This is, uh, yeah, for, for many reasons, I'm not the one at the front door. But uh, this is a this is a great night to maybe maybe watch Talladega Nights for the third time or fourth <laughs> time or tenth time. I don't know. Something, something along those lines. We'll see. But uh, I well, usually have to go. When your kids were young, what was your role? Were you the go out with them? Were you the stay at home guy? Like how how did that get well, divvied up in my, your house? Yeah, when my kids were young, um, yeah, I would never go out. No, I. Eh? Uh, 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 there was the rare occasion when uh, we would go when we lived out in the country. We'd come into town. Yeah, and so we'd come into town, and they'd go out with buddies. And so yeah, they, there was a good friend of my son's where we'd go over and we'd have a couple of. Um, he was a big spice rum and coke guy and so oh boy. and they lived in a little sort of sort of i, I want to say in air quotes affluent little subdivision <laughs> right on the Rideau river okay. and uh like there was all kinds of full-size chocolate bars nice right? and so so they would hit that neighborhood and then my son would be like okay let's now let's head into riverside south right and yeah. and his buddy be like nah I don't know. I, I, I kind of got it all here. Good, you know? man. Like, well, I don't need any more. I don't want to walk anymore, I think, is really yeah. what it comes down to. So those years we'd walk around and it's, you know, but again, having a, having a beverage, waving from the end of the laneway, you know, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. But when we were handing out candy when my kids were young, yeah, I would hand it. I would hand out. Right. I'd stay at home and hand out candy. Yeah, we had, uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine a day or two ago back home that uh, has since moved out into the country and is doing, now we, uh, when I was a kid, we sort of lived in the country, but it was on like a, 
you know, a concession that had enough houses that we didn't really have to go anywhere, but lots of the other kind of farm kids or whatever would kind of make their way in. Right. And, sure, yeah. um, and so you'd see a lot of that, but I was talking to her and she said her husband and her, were going to take the kids out to whatever. And I said, well, who's, you know, staying back to whatever. She's like, oh, our house would be dark. And I think we've probably had this conversation on the show before. It's kind of shitty. Like if, if you're, if you're taking advantage of the fact that your neighborhood's doing it, you, you gotta be part of it, right? Someone's got to stay back. And, and she was like, well, we both want to see the kids do this. I'm like, yeah, well, a lot of people want to see their kids getting candy from your house too. Right. So. Yeah. And it, and it's, and it's so, it's, it's, I bet you both those parents loved Halloween as a kid. No right? doubt. Yeah. Hot footed it around and, uh, you know, got the sleeping bag. I mean, the, the, the pillowcase and you're running and you're doing it as many places. Yeah. Even if you got to run home, right. dump off a stash <laughs> and then head back out. Like, like to me, this was as a kid, it was, and, and there was shitty candy as a kid for me. Oh, yeah. And again, again, I'm a little older than you, Yeah, but you know, there was people with their Ziploc bags of homemade popcorn and apples and shit. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, well, no, I don't want your homemade baked goods. Or anything yeah, else. And you get to know those houses. You just cruise right past them after a couple of years. For, for, for sure, man. And so now every place, it seems like every place has the chocolate bars and chips. Like yep. these were the treasured spots and finds when I was a kid. And now every place has them. It's just one more thing that goes to show that kids today just. Spoiled, man. Man, not only do you not have to get up and change the TV channel, <laughs> you get all the good candy. Every house. Well, when we were, uh, you mentioned the popcorn thing and you're, you're right. Like typically I would find that lame, but there was one house on our street that had like the, um, the movie theater popcorn machine that they would like bring out and, and like, you could see it popping like at the, and it had the butter and stuff on it. And so you sort of gave them a pass, but I think as kids, you were as interested in the machine as the, the, uh, the actual popcorn or whatever, but that always worked out. Okay. But yeah, then you'd come home and. Yeah, the, the, the name brand stuff, that was the the good find. There'd always be like some weird shit mixed in there that I don't even recognize this. And like my mom told us that there was a couple of years where like our Halloween bowls never got finished. Like there would be a couple of things always left that between the three of us, we'd just pick, nope, nope, nope. Okay, nothing good left in here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get down to the down to the sort of, it's like going through the TV channels. Yes. Like, what do I, I want to watch? And you're like, oh, I love that. Or like, no, there's nothing. And then you go, all right, let's take a second tour through you right. anything. Uh, maybe. No, third time. Have I gotten desperate enough yet? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Reruns of, you know, Fantasy Island from 1978, perhaps. We had fun, like even because as you said, like as kids, I loved Halloween. And, and in Belleville, when we had the house there, when I was going to school, um, you know, both years, we we handed out candy to the kid. Now, I'm, I'm by then, not all the parents in our subdivision loved us just because of the... Yeah, of course. The goings on at times, but we sat outside and, uh, the one year I think maybe put the nail in the coffin of the parents feeling, and it was, it was done good heartedly, I think, but one of the people living in our house had a rabbit and it had just had bunnies. And so with the candy or the bags or whatever that we were handing out at our door, it had a little note in it or whatever, if you want to adopt a bunny. And so kids would go running back oh, down the streets to their parents. Like, can we get a buddy? Can we get like, yeah. and you're just getting scowled at, right? Yeah, but, no. but it was fun to, to hang out and, and kind of do that again. So yeah, shame on you. If you're not, uh, if you're not redistributing what you got as a kid, right. Or can, uh, paying can it tell forward. me something though. Yeah. Tell me something though. In, in the, in the later years. So we lived in the South end of Ottawa, got a lot of kids and where do you stand on this? Cause I know some people are hot and cold. 
giving out the pop. So we never did that as a family. I don't remember anyone on our street doing it, but I had started to see it like later on or heard other people doing it. I, it's, it, to me, it seems a little weak. I, it's, it's sugary. It's whatever. Maybe some kids get excited for pop. I, I don't know. Like a lot of houses don't have it as regularly as, as some, like when we camped all uh-huh. the time, because it was easy to pack. You just throw it in with the beer. Um, as kids, we had pop all the time, so there was nothing special about it. Right. But maybe in some houses it is, I, I don't know. But to me, it feels, come on, right? Like it's, it's meant to be candy and, and snacks and treats. Right. Uh, but I don't know. So, yeah. Well, that, and, and we uh, probably five years in a row went with that and have juice boxes for the really little kids. Oh, you were handing out pop. Yeah. Come on, ma'am. No, that was us. Yeah. That was us. And so to me, it was, and when you're getting egged, when the, no man, you'd see, you'd see certain kids buy three times. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and when they get to be a certain age that you think they're too old, you know, you open the bag up and you spike the pop in there, carry on. Keep, That's keep okay. Moving. They're just moving out around the corner and spiking the pop themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's true. It's true. And it reminds me of my dad, my dad, when we, when I was young and he, if he felt that maybe you were too old, <laughs> He'd keep he'd keep a couple of potatoes there at the door, and he'd he'd hand, <laughs> he'd hand those out. So that was, uh, you know, you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Everybody for a long time told me to get into it. I tried it a few times. It just never really grabbed me. I've seen a few, but it's never held me. Well, and for those of you out there, if you if you if you want to check out on YouTube, it's Curb Your Enthusiasm Trick or Treat, and it's it's a it's it's a confrontation between Larry David and these. <laughs> three or four girls who he thinks are too old to uh to be to be trick-or-treating and yeah it ends with the one kid telling him to fuck off and the other <laughs> one saying just give me the candy you bald asshole <laughs> uh i think more often than not when we were kids it was my dad left behind i think the rule of thumb we didn't really care too much about age as long as you dressed up none of these 14 year olds just showing up like in their jeans and t-shirts or whatever just hoping to if you still made an effort, had a costume, I think, uh, yeah, I still think you got something at our place, right? So, yeah. Uh, what are we sipping on today, ma'am? Uh, I am sipping. I've, I've made a trip back to Royal City Brewing out of Guelph, and I am, I was really intrigued by this. It is their harvest sweet potato rye ale. Wow. Yeah, a it's a lot going, going on there. It's a lot going on. And, and when you look at the tasting notes, you're like, okay, I, I think, I think you've, I think you jumped the shark here. It's got, a, it's got a little bit of everything, right? Like toasted nuts and blah, 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 and, and hints of raisin on the nose and yada, yada, yada. And the part that spoke to me, and actually in a little hint of, they said, think of a German rye bread, maybe with grape jelly. And I wow. was like, yeah, okay. And so it's funny because I poured it because I wanted to get a good look at it. And for, uh, for rye ale, it's very hazy and it had a nice head right off the pop but mm-hmm. uh yeah it's a little red it's a little hazy and and it's it's very easy drinking and it comes in at a boisterous seven percent okay. so um but really um not bad not bad at all and so in terms of a seven i'll let you know and we'll see by the end of the show what do you got going so uh tried to to stick to a theme here and uh actually um, for those who missed it on, uh, our last episode, which was 897, uh, Steve Bunda beat me to it and, uh, grabbed this out of my fridge already, but this is called, uh, <laughs> dead and dead. Um, 
And uh, he had a lot to say about it in terms of going in, but we didn't spend a ton of time talking about it. But it's uh, from uh, somewhere out of Oregon and the uh, Rogue Ale Brewing Company, which mm. is uh, interesting here. But it's we have both had, I think, unless maybe a Canadian brewery has something called the same thing, but something called the Dead Guy Ale. Um, I know I've seen that before. I know I've tried that before. And so this is a combination of their dead guy ale. And I guess either they've partnered with someone or they do this both themselves, their dead guy whiskey. So the, uh, dead and dead, um, and it's a whiskey aged, whiskey barrel aged, uh, ale that they're going with here. It's actually, uh, they've listed it and classified it as a Bach, uh, 9.5. Nice. Yeah. So, uh. We're getting ready to just be firing candy out the door here later yeah. on. Um, but uh, we'll see what that's all about. It's it's supposed to have hints of vanilla, uh, a little oak, and uh, and we'll see what's going on there. But um, And whiskey, obviously. So uh, I'm expecting this to be a little thick, maybe a little boozy, but we'll see how she looks. Well, and, and really the box, and, and you're getting into uh, the closer we get to Christmas and, and the new year, you're getting into your... Your super box, your your fortifieds and Festbach. Festbach. Oh, I yeah. used to love the Festbach. Yeah, for sure, man. man. Um, okay, what, what's your what's your take on that? Not as boozy as I would have thought, which is a compliment. Right. Um, it had a nice head on it here when I poured it out too. So we'll uh, we'll see what that's all. About. It's got kind of a copper color to it, which is nice. But yeah, it's um. I don't, I'm not getting the whiskey from it. You're, you're, I was going to ask, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, whatever oak is supposed to taste. Like, I, you sort of see what they're saying, For right? sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. So tastes it's, like Barnwood. Right, <laughs> exactly. So uh, pretty nice, man. Not bad. But uh, this one will be easy to to nurse at 9.5, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and so it was uh, It was nice. A couple of, uh, I listened to a bit of you and Creech and and, uh, and Bunda on the, uh, the UFC uh, setup show back on Friday morning. Yeah. Uh, nice. So nice to hear the good quality in studio sound, right? Like, well, I think if I'm not mistaken, you're headed back in here next Sunday, making your return to the studio. Is that not, uh, yeah. Christ, everybody else and their dog has been in there now. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we're just waiting for the, the, the mainstay. When does the mainstay get called in? But yeah, no. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably a good call, but, um, yeah, the show, uh, the show was good. The boys were fired up. And, and I really was interested to hear uh, and, and Creech, everybody who comes in always is blown away by the by the quality of the studio, yeah. right? <laughs> and these are people who work in radio. And so it's uh, it's a good setup. It's a good setup there at the Tall Can Audio Studios. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back in. And uh, we are ready to tolerate having you back in. So that's <laughs> Uh, stick around. Uh, we didn't get, cause it is a back to back, uh, weeks here for the UFC. Um, so we will have uh Creech and Bunda previewing UFC 268 coming at you again this Friday morning. So stick around for that as well. Um, if you're not subscribed, wherever you're listening right now, you should hit that follow button, hit subscribe. Uh, what do we want to get into first here, man? Morgan Riley's got an extension. The Blackhawks have been in the news quite a bit, obviously, and, and, and rightfully so. Did you have a chance when it actually happened or, or did you catch it later on when Kyle Beach actually went on TSN and, you know, kind of revealed he was John Doe and, um, you know, spoke to Rick Westhead there on TSN. I believe it was Wednesday for about 25 minutes. Did you have a chance to get to see the whole thing? I did not. Yeah. I did not. I read it. Um, I've, I've obviously through multiple mediums 
had it spliced up, had it covered in detail. So I, I, I didn't see it. I'm not sure why I didn't watch it live, but um, yeah, everyone was everyone was talking about just how impactful it was to watch. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever seen on television. And, you know, we've seen the other reports, we've seen the accounts, and even outside of this, just other things, you know, in, in a similar vein that, you know, it's difficult to read, but when you watch this guy sit down yeah. and tell his story, man, it was, wow. Like, I don't even know what the word would be. It was, it was hard to watch and it's one of those things like and I hope people hear me the right way here it you you want to turn the channel like this isn't good yeah. tv you know what i'm saying like yeah. this isn't something that i would sit down and watch it but it's not tv it's somebody's right. story it's it's this is a real thing that's happened and you can't turn your back on it you can't turn the channel you should sit and take this in and and see what it's done to this man and man it was it was difficult to watch i can't imagine how difficult it was to do um it, it it was very, very uh, uncomfortable, right? Very difficult. Yeah. And so, again, yeah, I've seen many different, many different portions of it. I, I But I, I didn't, I've never sat down and watched it in its entirety. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's been, it's been everywhere, right? Like yep. This topic has been, and it's, and it's funny because I think when we did our show on, you know, three stories to, to watch this year. Right. Uh, one of my stories was the Blackhawks, both off the ice and on the ice. Mm -hmm. And and I believe, if I can try not to throw my shoulder out, patting myself on the back, um, I said, on the off-ice issue, it seems pretty much like it's going to get swept under the carpet. Mm -hmm. Like, that seemed to be my take on the on the thing was that in, in, in a hockey fashion or in organized sporting fashion, that it was going to sort of come up to a pimple and then go away. Yeah. Right, that there wasn't going to be anything done. So, to me, I, I have to tell you, I am borderline shocked with with all that has come to pass. I think a part of that is I was borderline shocked with how much and how public the report ended up being. Like this went a lot deeper I, than I expected it would. A lot more names got mentioned than I thought would ever be made public, uh, and so it almost left them with no choice but to like not just sweep this away. There was no way to, you know, um, make this go away. This is a real thing that happened. And, and this week, you know, you've seen uh, Stan Bowman. He's gone. Joel Quinville has, was already moved on to the Panthers. And we can talk about the fact that, that he coached the night before and, and whether that should have happened or not. Uh, but he's obviously been let go. Both of those men will have to speak to the commissioner if they ever want to work in the NHL again. Uh, Kevin Day off. And we can get into this part of it too as well, but from the Winnipeg Jets, who was also in the Blackhawks organization at the time, he seems to have been spared and uh, is going to be allowed to keep his job. He's going to meet with the media on Monday. But yeah, the, there was this this went way deeper and was allowed to become way more public than... Because I, I was with you at the time. I, you made the point, but that's what the NHL does, right? Like anything to just make this stuff go away. I don't think there was any way when this came out to make this disappear. Right. Yeah, and and... And let's let's be let's be upfront about that. That's an that's an excellent thing. Yes. Um, it, it wasn't that we were hoping it would just get swept under the rug. Right. It was just it felt a lot like that was the way it was going to go. Um, yeah. There, there's just so many layers to this onion in terms of of things to touch on, and so I, I think, as I said, I think a lot of them have been 
touched on and and, I, and people may be rolling their eyes right at this moment as we listen to this on a Monday morning. Um, to me, it, there's there's a couple of things, though, in in the inconsistency of the application of the report, right, in terms of that you have, you know, Stan Bowman gone, Quenville, like the, the Blackhawks get fined $2 million and Quenville has to forfeit $15 million in salary. Well, and just, yeah, that's a tremendous point. Like the Quenville contract in Florida, when he's terminated, that's what he's giving up or that's what he's losing. And that's why, like, a lot of people were giving the Panthers shit and the NHL shit for letting him resign instead of firing him and making that stand. If you fire him, he gets to keep all that money. If you force him to resign, that's a, it actually turns out to be far more punitive, right? It, it hits yep. you a lot harder. The, yep. the, the Blackhawks being fined $2 million... The New Jersey Devils were fined $3 million for a con salary cap violation when they tried to sign Ilya Kovalchuk to a contract that wasn't... So you can see the value, like, the, where this fits in still in the, the gross world of, of pro sports, right? They've, in terms of how they've priced this, $2 million is horrendously low. Well, and the Coyotes have to give up, like, three picks. Yeah, for, for yeah, draft picks. Yeah. For, their, for their draft pre-draft evaluation. That's how you hurt an original six franchise, a major sports organization like the Chicago Blacks, Blackhawks. You, there should be a financial penalty, but the Wurtz family can afford this and the Blackhawks organization can afford this. You hit them with, by the way, you don't have a first round pick for the next, whatever, three years, yeah. five years, whatever. Yeah, or how about next year? You don't have a first, second or a third. Sure. Like just, so to me, that's how you hurt the team. Yeah. And, and if you look at that and you go, I think when you look at, Shovel day off and the idea that he was just a uh, he was not a senior member of of the of the management uh, I don't I don't buy it. if you're in that room yes you were deemed to be senior yep. and and to me this comes down to um Mark Chipman and and the and the ownership of the of the Jets are fully supportive of Shovel day off mm -hmm. and and to me I think I think and this is Rob Christie saying this I haven't read this anywhere to me, it comes down to their support of of, of Shovel Day Off, and and that that I think they labored, uh, lobbied, not labored. They lobbied to have Shovel Day Off stick around. I, that's probably a big part of it. And Shipman has been a, a loyalist even when he got the team right. He um, you know did everything the NHL wanted. The, the anti Jim Ball silly right stayed quiet, did all the things that Gary yep. wanted him to do, and you know has been a Gary ally ever since. Uh, so yeah, having him lobby hard to keep Shovel Day off, but I'm glad you brought up the dynamics here that this was apparently reported in a, a meeting that had a bunch of the Chicago Blackhawks this is back in 2010, their, their top people in it. Stan Bowman is the general manager. John McDonough is the team president. Uh, Joel Quinville is the head coach. And there's McIsaac. a few other, yeah, Stan McIsaac, I believe his name is, um, a bunch of these people in the room. And Kevin Dayoff at the time, I can't remember, was he player personnel or AGM? AGM. Okay, so he's assistant general manager. And so while all these other people are getting wiped out, he, despite being in the room, has been spared in this thing. And I, I'm with you, man. I, it, it is interesting to see the way the league has decided, okay, Joel Quinville, top of his department, right? Head coach. General manager, head of hockey operations, right? That's his, uh, McIsaac is, or John McDonough, excuse me, is the, the president of the team. 
all these top guys that are supposed to be able to do something are being laid out. But Kevin Cheveldayoff is, I guess, being spared because he has an immediate superior who should have taken care of this. But at the same time, at some point, you found out nobody took care of this. No one did anything. Yeah. And you didn't say anything either. I. It's interesting to see how Gary is kind of, and the league and the is going about this. It seems like Shovel Day Off has been spared, and you're probably right in terms of having Mark Chipman's backing uh, being a big part of it. But publicly, this is being presented, I guess, as he wasn't senior enough to be expected yeah. to do this. But you know, you could be a good dude. Right, like you could try having a backbone and saying, "Okay, none of you fuckers handled this. I'm going to say something." Right. Uh, I think if you're in that room and you hear about it and you see nothing getting done, but this this is a and Friedman brought this up on his podcast. Or this is something that a lot of people deal with in their jobs. Maybe not to this degree or this something this serious, but something bad is about to happen. But I don't know that I'm high enough ranking to do something about it to report it. Like. But when you're an assistant GM in the National Hockey League, you got to you got to do well, better, I think. As I said, if you're in that meeting, you're deemed to be senior enough yep. to be in on this conversation. Yep. Um, the, the thing is, and and again, as shitty as it is, um, I get the I get. And again, there's air quotes. I understand the the gravity of the situation or. The, the crossroads that are meeting here with what was deemed at the time to be a sexual harassment, mm-hmm. right? That's how it was presented in the meeting as opposed to a sexual assault where they said, Hey, okay. Sexual harassment. Let's, let's put this off till after the cup. Okay. I, I can understand how that happens. What I can't understand is how as poor judgment as that may seem, that you don't remove the coach for the three weeks till you till you Brad decide Aldridge, the guy who did this. Yeah, that's right. Why why he is still able to work for those two weeks? He goes, I don't know what happened here. This this these sexual harassment allegations and blah blah blah. We're not sure. We don't want to derail. I'm just telling you. I I can understand how that would happen, but I don't understand how you don't remove the coach until that until that gets figured out. Right. And I think there's a lot of people, a lot of people who are in are are outraged and should be, but saying this is what I would do. I can't believe somebody else didn't do that. And it's it's easy to say that from afar. I think is what is what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Well, and like people saying the, the idea that that people would say yes now that this very small amount of justice has been handed out, I I don't think if you talk to certain people, it's a small amount of justice. Is it, is it, is it, is it worthwhile? Is it, are they, is it due? Yeah, it's long overdue. But for these people who who are showing all this outrage, like they would have handled it so much better. I, I, I think they should all just step back and, 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 and be disapproving. That's, that's good. But, I think I think to point and yell and say I would never let that happen. You gotta you gotta wait. I'm not I, I'm not a coward. I've just never been tested. <laughs> I'd like to think that if I was, I would pass. Right? That is the that's, that's the boss lyric. tone, man. Yeah, and so that is the idea that yeah, it's fine for you to sit here, eleven years removed and as far removed as you can possibly be, and say 
I would have done it different. They should have done it different. I, Hey, you got to be in the situation, man. That's all. I think, you know, this is still going to end up in a civil suit and it has, and the Blackhawks are trying to have it thrown out still. Um, like after Kyle Beach has spoken, they still the next morning motion to have this all thrown out. So they, you know, business is business, I guess, to them right yeah, now. When you sure. look at Kyle Beach, he had just played in the WHL, big kid, six foot three, six foot four, put up uh, over 50 goals. 52 a goals. Pile of penalty minutes. Um, had played over the la- that season and uh, the season before, I believe, eight AHL games and was nearly uh, a point a game there and then was called up despite only being 20 years old to be a black ace. So this was a, and he had also been chosen 11th overall by the Blackhawks in the draft. So this was a player, I get it, not every first round pick pans out, but up until that point, even when he was moved to the AHL and he got noticed there to be called up to be a black ace during that playoff run, he was on track. The Blackhawks saw big things for this guy, and all of a sudden, it went completely off the rails, right? This changed his life. This changed the trajectory of his career. You wonder whether, you know, he gets let go for, you know, attitude problems and being difficult to deal with and stuff. Anything the Blackhawks can do to explain why they're wanting him out of the organization because he's, you know, now a reminder of some pretty bad shit they've allowed to go down in there or whatever. And he ends up, you know, he bounces around a bit, but right now he's playing Division Three in Germany. Yeah. When you talk about a civil suit and what he's going to bring now, we can't say for sure what he would have turned into in the NHL and what he would have been able to make. Yeah. But the trajectory up until that moment said, you know, probably at minimum middle six guy in the NHL, right? Who was going to go on to probably over, you know, whatever, 10, 12, 15 years, 30 million, you know, I, Easy. Yeah. yeah. So this is going to be um, something that is not going to be an easy sell. They got off light, two million bucks fine from the NHL for, you know, whatever happened here. When Kyle Beach comes back and gets to say to a judge, this is what my career tra- trajectory looked like at the time, it will not be two million bucks to him. It's going to wow. be a substantially larger number. And, and and the thing, the the idea of deny, deny, deny all the way along like the doubling down, both Shevel Dayoff and Quenville, everybody who who continued to deny, like didn't know, after, didn't know, didn't know. After the game that that you thought Quenville maybe should or shouldn't have coached, they asked him afterwards, and he said, "I can't talk about this." And, that was before they, the game. They didn't let him speak. Oh, after. Okay, yeah. And after and after the game, the, I mean, before the game, and they're like, "Okay, we get that, but do you still stand by your comments of the summertime, which were, I have no recollection of this." Yes. He said, "Yes." Yep. And then the next day you resign. So to me, it's it's what's changed in that 24 hours? I can only imagine. But to a, me... A pile of evidence. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and to me, the legal system of deny, 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 so that whatever happens once we get into court, we can then manage right. manage what's happened here. And so... Well, you it, should... The, the, the one that's every bit as outraging is the statement that the Jets and Shovel Dayoff put out back in July um, when his name first got tied to this. Obviously written by the team's lawyer and written brilliantly that not only did Shovel Dayoff, you know, apparently not know about this or not remember this, that statement led you in a big time way to believe he was never even in the room. That he had that wasn't even a part of this, and to now find out he actually sat in the room like that's every bit as 
man, you fuck, you look guilty, right? Like they didn't come right out and say he was not in the room, but they absolutely misled you. And you're starting to see more and more people focus on that, that, right. you know, seems pretty guilty, man. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and so you, you are, it, it comes down to, yeah, if I, if I can limit this, limit the damage later, that's, that's what this all is. And, and, and that's the part where you go, you guys fucked this up at the beginning and they did. And, and I want to be clear on that, right? The, my issue with the people's outrage is the people from afar, like this was a shitty situation. And you talked about Kyle beach and I keep wanting to call him Chris beach. Yeah. A little earlier part yeah. of the armor Yager trade from Pittsburgh, yeah. Washington. But Kyle Beach, as a 20-year-old, and you go, what does everybody say when 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 somebody suffers a, an incident like this? They tell you to speak out. And you go, this is a 20-year-old guy, right? Who, as you said, was a star in the WHL, was on this on this upward trajectory, and he's getting to live his his dream of of going on a Stanley Cup run. Mm-hmm. And then this this horrible incident happens to him. And then he speaks out and still nothing happens. Nobody does and, shit. And then he speaks out again and still nothing happens. And you're like, how deflating and mm-hmm. defeated can can a 20-year-old feel? Like, to me, where what power do I have? And the next person, to me, who has has the, you know, the sights on him is Donald Fear in the NHLPA. Yep. He, he is, and I, I can only imagine at that point, you're a dues-paying member of the NHLPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is an association you pay to be a member of to protect you who continually, if it's not a CBA issue, if it's not a contractual issue and how can we get the most money, they don't seem to care about the player's health. You look at when it's player-on-player violence, they turn the back. Hey, man, we're both dues-paying members here. How about choosing the right thing? Yeah, you defend and the offender and leave me out it. here to do... <laughs> yeah, and I'm the one who's suffering the consequences. And so Kyle Beach is just a further a further example of the NHLPA not doing its job to protect its constituents. And to me, Donald Fear throwing the doctor under the bus saying... Oh, I don't know. He spoke to a doctor and it's confidential and uh, we have no idea. So sorry about that. Well, and you come out and you start to think, you know, both Brent Sopel and Nick Boynton, who were on the team at the time, uh, backed up the story that at the time, Kyle Beach hadn't had his name out there, but a guy named Paul Vincent, who was also on the Chicago Blackhawks staff, was who had this reported to him and he took it up the chain and he pub- spoke publicly, both Nick Boynton and Brent Sopel put their names to it also saying, yes, yeah. we heard about this. Yes, we believe it's true. And yes, basically everyone on the team knew about it. Right. And lots of guys afterwards were making all kinds of homophobic jokes and stuff to him. Right. Um, and so then we get to this point now where, okay, you've had a couple of guys say, yeah, I think everybody on the team knew we've still got guys from that team in the league and, and chief among them, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith, who are, you know, being asked about this and Taves could not have possibly handled his post game interview on Wednesday, any worse saying that, you know, I still think Bowman's a good guy and, and McIsaac, you need to shut up for now. Like, even if you believe that, that probably wasn't what you should have said. Duncan Keith, Man, he said, I didn't know about it. They say everybody knew about it. I didn't know about it. And he turns out to be a guy that when the uh, one of, I think it was 37 names 
um, that refused to speak to investigators. And when he was asked about that in his press conference, he said, I didn't know anything, so I didn't feel like there was anything to contribute. Motherfucker, you don't know if you have anything to contribute. You don't know what you're going to be asked. You don't, like Again, it comes off so shitty. Maybe your answer to something fairly benign corroborates you know, one or two other things that they've heard. And, you know, like just it, it, it's mind blowing to see, you know, all these guys that were part of that team that are out of the league who are now willing to talk and say, yeah, that happened versus the guys who are still in the league going, well, uh, you know, it was vague. I might've heard something. No, I didn't hear. Fuck man. Like, and uh, this sucks because for a very long time, he was one of my favorite players. I, I don't know what to think about Jonathan Taves right now, but it's not good. Yeah, and, and and the thing is, can you think of short of Brent Seabrook? Can you think of three more prominent names on those Blackhawk right. Cup teams than right. Keith, Kane, and Taves? No, I don't think so. No. And so to hear that, you know, as you said, and that is that is the other thing you're hearing is is all the all the ribbing and uh, and, and and joking at his expense that was happening in the change room. Like you you and I have been in locker rooms. You you know shitty things happen and, and and cultures change, but you can't say that you didn't know about that. Right? Like Tave said, "Oh, I didn't know about it till the next training camp," and Keith said, "I didn't know about it till years later." And you're like, "Oh man, that that's such a shitty look." And especially if you're going to turn around and defend the guys who did know about it. Yeah, yeah. Oof. No, that's that that is super tone deaf. Yeah. Whatever you think of of McDonough. McIsaac, Bowman, whatever you think of those guys, uh, you you have to separate that from what is happening right now today. So there's a, a lot of people talking about other ways they could be punished or what should be done. I want to run this past you, the idea that the Chicago Blackhawks and the Wirtz family have already petitioned the Hockey Hall of Fame to have um, Brad Aldridge's name removed from the cup. Uh, there are other people who say, you know... Typically, these aren't removed, they are X'd out, and there are those that would tell you, maybe that's a better thing to have happen here. Have someone ask every time they see it, what is that? Why is their names hmm. X'd out and have to keep this alive? I want to ask you about the idea that they have gotten out in front of this to have just, like, it, we, we agree, this is horrible, get that guy's name off the cup, and then it's done and it's over with and we don't investigate any further and maybe have a lot of names scratched off the cup. I wonder if this isn't them getting out in front of, you know, like if we petition right now to have that guy's name X'd or removed, we're on the good side. If this is left up to the Hall of Fame or the league or whatever down the road, they may decide, no, this whole thing stinks. Like we're going to, you know asterisk or lots of names X'd out or, or whatever. Like to me, it seems like almost a PR thing to get out in front of and to offload this onto the one guy. Yeah. Well, and, and, but that's what it's been, right? Yeah. The Hawks, the Hawks have for this entire past week have, have tried to come off. Like they are the good guys. Yeah. Like they like, okay. All right. Everybody, everybody who's implicated is gone. We've flushed it all. And you're like, yeah, okay. Everybody was gone. Yeah, it's 11 years, of course, everybody's gone. <laughs> yeah. And so, but to me, they've tried really hard to present themselves yeah. as, as the, we've done the right thing. And, and it's, it's like, you cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that the Wirtz family was not aware of the situation when you have all of, we know how, we know how upper management works. Mm-hmm. 
you do not sign a big contract or any of these things without speaking to ownership. Well, you can like, take it or leave it, but Brent Sopel says he does believe the Wurtz family did not know until the last year to 18 months. Now, he's just a player. Like, he was just a guy on the team in 2010. Maybe he... Great great mullet. For sure. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, has been fairly open and honest yep. in his assessment of it. So, again, listeners can take that for what it's worth. He, he, I'm sure Brent Sopel is not aware of the inner workings of Chicago Blackhawks' ownership, you know, to this present day. Um, but it is an opinion who a lot well, of people are willing to respect right yeah, now. Yeah, well, I, I think it, you know, it's worth something. All, it's yeah, for sure it is yeah. because Brent Sopel is the guy who's there. Yep, he is the guy, and who would have a much better understanding of how involved day to day the Wurtz family is. Yep, right, much more than than I am. So I'm willing to go with Brent Sopel <laughs> on that. Um, but, but um, he did say it's his opinion. It's not his fact, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but again, he would have the he would have yep. he would have the understanding of how day to day involved Rocky or whoever the, whatever sure. words at yeah. that point is is involved with it. So um, yeah, no. Uh, to me, it it holds water what he's saying. Um, what do you want to see happen with Donald Fear? I guess there's a, a meeting this week with the executive committee, which is, uh, and all 32 player reps are allowed to attend. I guess they need 20 of them to have quorum, 18 to fire him if you wanted to do that. It's, I need more information on that. You know, to me, the idea of patient doctor um, confidentiality is legit, but you would think there has to be unless it's just designed terribly, there has to be a road for once somebody reports to this doctor, this is what's happened to me. That doctor has to be able to go somewhere that has to, you know, it's, it, there has to be a way to, okay, I need to treat this guy now, but also this is fucked up and, and we need to be able to move forward and, and have the proper repercussions or punishments or investigations or whatever. It can't just stop there. Right. Like, uh, and so that's the part that I, I would need more information on when Donald fierce as well, he spoke to a doctor. And I don't get to hear about that. There's a part of me that goes, that makes sense. But Kyle beach says in his interview, no, Donald fear knew and he did nothing. That right. also means something to me. And so yeah. I don't know, man, I, it won't shock me if they fire him. Um, and it would also be an easy, you know, he's getting out. He's said a few times he's almost ready to step down anyway. Like, I don't think he wants to leave in disgrace, but that may be where this goes. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and, but you, you, nobody else has got the opportunity right. to, to, to choose how, how this ends for them. Right. No. And so to me, this is the message you send. And I'm going to put my amateur lawyer slash psychologist <laughs> cap on. Right. To me, I, I think the understanding is there's confidentiality unless there's a law has been broken yep. or unless there is there is something that's that's happened I, that that could harm other people. And and to me, that happened. Of course. And, yeah. and so to me, this 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 has to go further. And if and if it didn't, then the doctor and, and um his name escapes me, but it's, it's, been, named, yeah, it's, it's been named as well. Yeah. Then that that that's got to rest with somebody, yep. right? But but the the, the the butterfly effect yes. of the Blackhawks doing nothing is is crazy, and so to me, yeah, Donald Fear, you your one job, man, is is to protect your constituents, and oh. and uh, to me, that didn't happen here. It did not. 
Uh, on Tuesday was when the report came out. They had the press conference in Chicago. It went deep into a bunch of different names, a bunch of what had happened, how it was reported, uh, and it corroborated a lot of things that people had started saying publicly uh, through the reporting of uh, mainly Rick Westhead and Katie Strang, but also Mark Lazarus um, and Chris uh, Chris Pope, I believe his name is. Chris Hope, maybe. I'm messing that up. It'll be in the show notes. Um down in Chicago as, as beat writers who went deep on all of this stuff and, and forced this to a head. So that happens on Tuesday. And at that point, we find out that Gary Bettman is going to meet with Joel Quinville, who is uh, mentioned in this as having known. He's going to meet with him on Thursday, and he's going to meet with Kevin Sheveldayoff on Friday. On Wednesday afternoon, Rick Westhead puts out that John Doe is going to be on Sports Center. He's going to put his name to this, and he's going to tell his sport uh, his story. That's going to be at 6 p.m. on SportsCenter. They open SportsCenter with the guy's name. It goes straight to Rick Westhead for the interview. It lasts 25 minutes, commercial free. Uh, They tell the entire story. There is a fantastic piece by our friend Sean Fitzgerald in The Athletic about how TSN chose to present this. We're We're going to air it all. Yep. We're not running any game highlights over top of it. We're not doing anything. We're not cutting it into pieces. We're not going to commercial. We're going to let this guy tell his story. Um, and they said the only piece of footage that they ran over top of the interview was his draft day because they felt that was a key, you know, a big day in your life. This is where this guy was going. Um, yeah. So that happens at six o'clock by 627 PM. The interview is over. Joel Quenville has already been hearing some questions as have the Florida Panthers throughout the afternoon. You know, this, you were named on Tuesday. You're going to meet with the commissioner on Thursday. Should you really be coaching on Wednesday? And you go, I can't talk about that. The organization says, you know, it's fine until he talks to whatever. Now we're at 6.27 p.m. And Kyle Beach has said, this guy fucking knew and did nothing. And so now there's another round of, man, are the Panthers going to slam the brakes on here, pull him off the bench? And no, they don't. They send him out. They allow him to coach. But after the game... He's not available to the media. He's not able to answer questions. The GM comes down and makes a statement at that point. Is there not... uh, What do you think of the fact that they let this guy go out and coach? At the time, he hasn't yet met with the commissioner, so he hasn't been punished or reprimanded or whatever. But as an organization or as a guy, like would you not just go, maybe this isn't a good idea tonight, I don't want to be a distraction, or the Panthers to be aware of what's just been said and have some empathy or, or like to me it was pretty fucked up to see him go out there and coach like nothing else had happened 25 minutes after this interview yeah well and the thing the thing here is and 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 listen to my entire statement here this is this is a 11 year old 10 plus year old incident Mm -hmm. and and as it's continued to unfold I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's gotten, it got ratcheted up fairly quickly, right? As mm-hmm. it, as it went through and. Well, once I, that report dropped Tuesday, the world shook, right? It's. Yeah. And, and as uh, the Panthers to me, they're, they're more preoccupied with their six and zero start at that point. Right. Um, and yeah, they were just a couple of hours behind everybody else, right? As, as this sort of if you want to look at it as a thermometer, right, that's sort of been resting here for a decade and then starts to rise. And then, yeah, when, as you said, when that hit, bam, right. The thermometer shoots through the roof. Yeah. 
yeah, it's 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 tone deaf. Um, I just think that I think the Panthers were slow to react. I think the shovel day off meeting was initially scheduled to be Monday. Correct. And then all of this, the way it hit the fan, it ended up happening on Friday. Gary comes out and says, to me, he's credible. He wasn't in a position that was his responsibility to deal with it. And off we go there. I, I disagree. He was in the room, all these things. I, yep. Whether he needs to be kicked out of the league too, that's up to the listener to decide for himself. But to just say he had no responsibility, to me, that's, that's well, fucking weak. Yeah, well, it, it, to me, it's it's the all the same things happened. Like to me, Quenville and Bowman are the guys who allowed Aldrich to stay on through the Cup final. Yep. Like they are, the, and they both they are, in their statements this week laid this at the feet of McDonough. Like they're passing the buck too, right? Well, yeah. he was the top guy. We thought he'd do something. Yeah. Well, because because apparently McDonough in the meeting said, "I'll handle this." Yeah. And so everyone else is like, "Woo, good, glad Thank it's not God. me." Yeah, but but again, you said it earlier, and and you've seen it in a bunch of places. They've said, "Hey, man, what's happening? Mm-hmm. What I, I've seen no change. I thought you said you were handling this, right?" Like to me, that's one of those things where you're like, "Okay, are, are you doing something? Right? What are you doing? What are you doing about this? What's happening?" Like to me, it's a no brainer to remove to remove the video coach. Yep. Like to me, it's it's not a, it's not a key assistant. It's not a guy who's running my power play. It's not the head coach, right? And like, I know you're not saying that would be okay, but this guy's a long way down your list of importance. That's exactly yes. what I'm saying. Yes, yes. I'm not condoning it no. in any way, but I'm saying in terms of making waves, right? You go. I'm going to remove that guy that nobody sees, right? So if if the idea is to keep things under control and manage the message, manage you know the the mood. Yeah, man, you remove that guy, and then you continue forward with due diligence, right? You can still I, win a cup without your video, coach. right? So, but 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 to me, yes, exactly. But again, you're you're spot on, and as we said many times in this pod, if you're in that meeting, if you were deemed to be one of the six most important people in the Hawks organization, then yep. you have a right to, to you you have a voice that counts. Yep. Well, I guess the last thing we'll say on this then before we we move on, because there's not going to be an easy transition, but like I said, that um, the interview with Kyle Beach, if you haven't seen it, if you're not quite sure what this story completely entails or, or why this is such a big deal, I would suggest, you know, find a few minutes to sit down and watch this thing and and, and watch what it did to this guy and, and to his career, because the moment, there is a moment later on, and, and for those who haven't followed the story quite as closely, the Blackhawks gave Brad Aldridge, as part of this negotiated departure after the f- cup final, he got a day with the cup, he still got his name on the cup, and they wrote him, Joel Quinville, wrote him a glowing letter of recommendation, which he would eventually use to end up coaching kids where he assaulted a 16-year-old. They asked Kyle Beach if this kid was watching what he would want to say to him. And Kyle Beach obviously like he had been several times broke up and apologized and said, if I had been stronger, if I had done more, if I had pushed harder, this wouldn't have happened. This is a victim himself apologizing to another victim. These are stories that cannot be allowed to continue. We've seen on multiple shows since then, Sheldon Kennedy has been back on and Theo Fleury has had things to say. And every time we say this needs to stop, this needs to be the end of these types of stories. And here we are 
again. So, um, we're spending a lot of time talking about the people responsible. We're talking a lot about, um, how to stop this from happening again, whether the Blackhawks are being punished appropriately. The key name, the key story here is Kyle Beach and, uh, you know, whatever small meaning it may have, we here stand obviously with, uh, with Kyle Beach. 100%. Let's let people up because this has been a heavy story for, uh, for at least a few days now. How's the, uh, I heard you cracked something there a second ago. How was the first pint? <laughs> Christ. Yeah. I, I actually cracked the second one of them. Uh, gets a little boozy. Okay. Uh, I'm finding the same thing on mine as I get mid, deep into it. Yeah. As, as it sort of raises a bit. <laughs> yeah. And so normally what I would do is just crack the second one and, um, and drink it out of the can instead of kind of seeing what it looks like. But yeah. I thought for some reason, while you were talking, Rob thought, just pour it in the pint glass again. Sure. So I'm listening and I'm looking, doing whatever else. Well, and it, it fucking foamed over. And so, <laughs> so I'm pulling it away from the mic and away from the computer. And it, so it's all on my shirt and it's all down the front of my shorts. So, um, and you have the gall at the beginning of this show to wonder why you're the last one to get brought back in here. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. I'm what a mess. That. What a slop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm just going to wear that and there's going to be no response from Rob here. It's, it, it's true. It's true. Um, yeah, this one, as it warms a little, the, the booziness. What's up, Chuck? Um, the booziness has set in uh, somewhere here in the middle um, and it's, it is boozier than, uh, than I thought off the top here, but uh, I'm sorry. It's yeah. doing the job for a mid-afternoon well, before and, Halloween. And, and, and that is how it happens, right? Once things once things come closer to room temperature, right? Right. Everything becomes a little stronger in flavor, right? So you're getting a little bit of that, yeah, the booziness, as, as you say. You know who else got a little bit of that this week? Morgan Riley. Oh, that, I, I thought that was super fascinating, Matt. So to me, as, as, a, as, a, as a non-leaf booster, mm-hmm. and as a matter of fact, a leaf hater. Um, a I non-leaf find... booster, but a big beer boozer. <laughs> yes. And the further we get into the show, <laughs> more swearing. And, uh, but I, I, yeah. I this find is why this... you're not being trusted at the front door with uh, it's the, it's the <laughs> pregame podcast and beer that's uh, yeah it's true but i find i find the morgan riley signing to be wicked fascinating that would be the word i'd put on it um i've been back and forth on how i feel about it if you've missed it it's eight years times 7.5 million dollars uh eight years after this one uh it will expire as he is age 36 um it's less than what a lot of the the yep. contracts that we've seen this summer, you're, you know, we've talked about them, Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones and Dougie Hamilton and um, Darnell Nurse, but it's for longer term. And he is a little bit older than those guys. Well, he'd be right around Dougie Hamilton, I guess, but. But not, he's a little older than, than Nurse and Jones, but, but not. Not significantly. significantly. Right. And those guys obviously moving team, I guess Nurse probably got eight, but a lot of these guys get seven, right? When they switch. Uh, no, Seth Jones was traded too, so he probably yep. would have got the eight. So no, I'm mistaken there. Anyway, this one, when I saw it, 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 I cringed hard, right? Like, oh, I don't know if I'd have done that. And we, we talked a few weeks ago on the show about whether Kyle had blown it by not locking him up or trading him back around the draft, because over the summer is when we saw all these other guys start getting nine 
And that that magic number for Morgan Riley, uh, James Myrtle has an interesting piece up in The Athletic, said, you know, he would have said around the draft, maybe 7, 7.2 long term for Morgan Riley would have been sort of the area you're looking at. After all these other guys, you look at the comparables again, and he's probably more in the neighborhood of like eight, eight and a half. So to get him at seven and a half looks like a bargain in comparison to those. But four months ago, you would not have said that that's a bargain at all. But the Leafs, you know, as we've talked about, have have let Hyman walk. They've let Freddie Anderson walk, Bozak and JVR They've, they've used this idea of own rentals and, and stuff like that. Sometimes I've agreed with it. Sometimes I haven't. They couldn't just let their top defensemen walk. And, and so you almost, by not doing anything back at the draft, forced yourself now into doing this because I just don't think you could let this guy walk. There's a hundred angles we could take on this, man. I, I, I There's parts of this I'm critical of. There's parts of this where I kind of go... Yeah, I get it. I don't know. You you said it's fascinating. What's your first blush on it? Well, yeah, to me, he is, as in, if you can say this at 7.5, you're underpaid, right? <laughs> and, and, and it is. You're looking for him to at least exceed that Shabbat contract, I, I think, is, is what you're he, looking for. Eight at eight? Eight. Yeah. Eight for eight. Yeah. Okay. And so in terms of value of, of a number one defenseman, right? And and he is the problem it is, and it's it's what makes it really interesting is for a franchise who has no issues with money and they can do whatever they want in terms of you know signing bonuses and sure. and, and all these things, right? It's not a real issue, but the real issue is that hard cap. Yep. And and when you look at a guy who is not only your number one defenseman. But he's the longest standing. Yeah, he's been here since he drafted in 2012. So so in so many ways, he is sort of the current Mr. Toronto Maple Leaf. Yeah, there was a lot of talk that he should have gotten the C back when they handed it to Tavares. Yeah, And really should have got the C, I think. Could be, yeah. To me, he's the guy. You still see him a lot after when things go poorly. Yep. Right. You still see Morgan Riley, uh, right or wrong. Sure. But but to me, it's it's when you are so far up against the cap and and the number I think I heard on Friday night after after the signing, it was it was in the middle of the uh, of the Sens Stars game. Somebody said that the Leafs have just shy of eight million for next year to sign fifteen players. I think. Uh, woof. <laughs> so. Yeah, my understanding, and this is from Myrtle's piece. I haven't done my own research. He says essentially, because uh, this year we're finally one point two million of Phil Kessel's money that we're still holding. See you, Phil. It's expiring this year, and the cap goes up by a million bucks. So yeah. it's a three hundred thousand dollar hit that you're going to have to find somewhere. Um, and there's a lot of Leaf fans that have been happy to just write that off. Go there, you go. It's three hundred bucks or three hundred thousand dollars more. No big deal. Yeah, but now you can't do anything else with that extra money either, right? Like you can't improve. You're yeah. just you're just holding it together. But Myrtle's piece said essentially, if you you can essentially run this group, this roster you have back, um, have right now back again next year. All you have to do is meet the qualifying offers. Everything else, you'd be roughly two million in bucks under the cap uh, because of the the million dollars and the one point two from from Kessel. And you could do that again. 
but you're probably the one thing you will lose is Jack Campbell. Who I was going to say, you're not doing it with Jack Campbell. No, he's likely if he continues what he's doing to get a raise that probably prices him out. So either you re-sign him and have to find a way to trade Mrazek and find someone else to be a tandem, or he walks to get a big raise somewhere else. So there's a lot on the table there, but a, a, it, it's a gamble. And and Jonas Siegel has made the interesting point here, and it's not incorrect that if the Leafs do well this year you're you're looking at a different dynamic anyway right like you're you're prepared to just run this team back again and be largely happy with it if they don't do well someone's going like one of the big four is going and now you don't have cap issues anymore right or or different cap issues and like it's really my concern to be honest with you man is far more about how this particular contract ages than how it impacts the cap and and the the fact that they're squeezed tight i still think they're not in a better situation by any means, but I don't think they're a lot worse off by making this particular deal happen. I'm far. It's this individual contract that I look at long term and go, oof, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the 36 years old is 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 an issue. Yeah, of right? course. Yeah, but th- but this is a guy though who doesn't take a pile of contact. He's not a vigorous defenseman. He nope. skates. He skates really well. Tremendous athletically like really yeah. slick like so so to me it's it's not like the guys you see your mark stones your dustin browns or whoever these guys are who were working really hard right. to be average skaters right zach hyman like different class of player but i'm right. less concerned i'm still concerned but i'm less concerned about doing this long term than zach hyman long term because right. zach hyman is rugged and there's a chance at the end that guy just can't move anymore Right. And and so this is where I'm going with that exactly is that to me, the age on this for Mr. Toronto Maple Leaf, for all those things, you go, the, this is a guy who has a chance to be, I, I was reading, I don't know who wrote the article in the athletic again, um, you know, that he's already inside the top 10 in most Toronto Maple Leaf defensemen stats all time. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's only going to grow. And he is, he could pass Keon for all time games played as a Leaf. Right. And so, so to me, this guy is a Toronto Maple Leaf legacy player. Yep. Uh, whatever you think of that, whatever that legacy is. And we should mention and, those eight years, no move, full no yeah. move clause. Well, and then in the last couple of years, there's a 10 team, yep. no move. Anyways, no trade. It's, uh, but I'm like, how do you have a 10 team, no trade if you already have a no move clause? Right. I don't but really anyways, get that either. But. Yeah. Neither here nor there. It's it, to me, he has taken less money. Yes, he has. And and you have committed to a guy who is committed to being a Maple Leaf. Mm-hmm. And and I know in a time when when Toronto has spent big, that it's 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 they show, hey man, we're doing this, and teams guys are like, yeah, okay, well I'm willing to sign if you're going to pay me eleven million bucks. All right. Um, this is a guy who's taken market value less. Yep. And is your longest serving member and Wants plus 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 yep. exactly and and that's a that's a small market thing that you know like in Ottawa we cling to that right sure he wants to be here he wants he likes us yes <laughs> um, but but again it carries value everywhere right and so to me this is that signing right this is that that guy who was drafted developed 
stayed through hard times. And I was going to say good times and bad times. I'm not sure how many. The really, good ones we're still hoping are out in front. Yeah, we don't. Listen, I can't think of a lot right now. Well, but this is what I'm saying, right? It's, 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 this is a guy who, who, who's invested in the program. And so to me, that holds value too. And, and that's what other markets who, who, are, who are up against it in so many ways cling to. And you're like, yeah, that guy wants to be here. Right. He wants to be part of our program. And so to me, yeah, that, that's what the Morgan Riley signing says to me. How it works out next year, and, and really, I'm gonna I'll, I'll I'll tip my cap to James Myrtle in terms of his <laughs> his research over what I heard sure. on a TSN broadcast the other <laughs> night. Um, but you do know that that it, a team that is that is tight, that, that like this is gonna put you around 48. Yep. million for five guys and and you do know that you're talking about and i don't mean you i mean they know that yeah you're looking at swapping out bottom end guys and and for bottom end guys like if you just look at that number of yeah seven to seven or eight million for 15 guys you go well the the minimum wage is 750 and you're like that doesn't even work well we you know we know spez is coming back at uh, 750 well, <laughs> and, and, and is spez not your best player He's in the top couple right now. Like, and I was joking with somebody on Twitter on Saturday night watching the Leafs. Like, fuck. Like, if Jason Spezza turned around next offseason, go fuck you. I'm four and a half million. Like, could you really blame him? (laughs) No, I I can't. (laughs) Is there a better bang for your twelve? There is not. Nowhere in the league are you getting that at seven fifty anywhere else. Spez, come home and we'll give you we'll give you three and a half and we'll let you play wherever, man. Up and down the lineup, man. What do you want to do? Come home. But yeah, like you, you I, I didn't watch the Leaf game at all last night. Um, but it yeah, was you, not so, inspiring either. No, no. Well, I, I actually, I, I lied. I watched the last five minutes, and then when Detroit scored with the empty netter, and then went down with twelve and a half seconds, yeah. I was like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I know that that happened a couple times. The Leafs would score and be like, "All oh, right, here we go," and you'd create these two goal leads, and every time they just come right <laughs> back down. And it's fucking Detroit without yeah. no jab, Tyler Bertuzzi, just what a, like what a douchebag. Honest to God, man. How but, much money do you have, Matt? That you're just gonna, <laughs> just pissing you're gonna away. wave at Toronto, Montreal, <laughs> Ottawa teams in your division, yeah. right? Like you see these guys, so uh, yeah, it's it's weird, but. But to see them just keep bouncing back and keeping it close, like, oh, my God. Like, it was nice to see the offense finally wake up, but I believe that Tavares-Marner-Kerfoot line scored three times, but also was on the ice for three against, so yeah, well, not ideal. And and, and it's one of those things when you look at when when Marner scores that, I think he scored the sixth goal or the fifth goal, whatever that was, the last goal, and it was a – and they're like – Wow, Craig Simpson goes, well, he'll take him however he can get him, yes. right? In terms of, the, <laughs> I'm paying that guy 11 million bucks. Yeah. I'd like a little something more. I'd like more than take what you can get. I'd like you to create <laughs> fucking something, man. This is, this is it. This is it. But doubling back to Morgan Riley yeah. and how this works out on the on on the bottom end of your roster, right? And yep. and, and we've talked about this before, and I've I've laughed and pointed. <laughs> when you look at what's happening with Toronto and, and you've talked about the, the, the Bozak, the, the JVR, the Connor Brown, the Hymans, the, the yada, 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 as you go down the line, the, the leaking, the leaching Freddie, away, yeah. Freddie Anderson, yeah, 
who is tops of all Probably goal a, tens. If it was voted on today, it would be the Vesna winner. <laughs> yeah. And you go, that is um that 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 happens to teams who win cups. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so to me, it is a um it's super fascinating in terms of how this all shakes out on on, on the cap for next year. Cause to me, there are gonna be there, there's gonna have to be changes and and you wonder if this is the time when when maybe they can try and free up. If if I was to ask you right now, would you still do the Tavares deal? Would you still do the Tavares deal? Um, I think I would. I think I would. I, like he's getting a raw deal. Like he he doesn't get like last year. He still turned out like his numbers by the end of the year. I get it. He got off to a slow start, but by the end of the year. He was pretty much back on career pay. I understand the end of that deal is not going to look good. It's just not. Um, but at the time, with what you were doing and what you thought you were building and... And the message it sends. Yeah, I, I think I would still do it. And I just... Yeah, I, I think I'd still make that happen. I think it was important. I think it... it because I don't know what this looks like otherwise. Like, if, if you don't, you probably keep Kadri. But is... Do you look oh, at? I'm keeping. I'm keeping Kasperi Kapanen sure, over Kadri. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm just not. When everything is, uh, this is all they're betting on, and it's always been this way that they're going to get in, and they'll all be clicking at the same time. And when that doesn't happen, or God forbid, when none of them are clicking, then it's it it doesn't work. But they're banking that one of these times, and we've talked about it a hundred times, that your Washingtons and your whatever, they just want to stay in the mix as long as possible and trust that one of these years it'll go right. I think that's what they were trying to create and that one of those years you're going to get hot and all your guys are going to be clicking at the same time. And when that happens, a Matthews Nylander, Tavares Marner is far more intimidating than a Matthews Nylander, Kadri Marner. I think that's what they were banking on. And I still think that could happen. You're running out of runway fast, but I, I still think I would do it. Okay. Yeah, and and really, I'm not sure I would either. I would would not because to me the message it sends in having a in his prime, you know. And there's there's no evidence that I have to back this up. I just I don't think they're losing that series to Montreal last year if he's healthy. Like maybe they collapse. Like there's enough evidence to suggest they can do that. We know that. But that one extra gun that keeps going, and you know, the, you get a couple of overtime games and what. I just feel like when you have that full top, you find that extra goal somewhere, and maybe I'd be wrong. I, I like there's no way I there's nothing I can say to back that up and go see that moment if that's Tavares instead of Kerfoot, this works. I, I just now and then we're having a very different discussion. Even if they lose in the next round to Winnipeg, which maybe they would have, maybe they wouldn't have. It's not the same. Oh my God, this team can't do anything. Conversation, right? I, I don't know, man. It's. I don't think it was a. I don't think it was the poor decision. A lot of people. And when you go back and you look at his statistics and the way he produ- has produced since he got here, it's been fine. It's been fine. And and to me, the the the, the question there is, is more than, is is the money right? Yeah. Is 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 the very exorbitant payday. For what you know, when if you could have got him for, and again, I, I understand times change and, and everything shifts, right? But well, he man, did take less to come to Toronto. Well, 
maybe, less than maybe not less. enough less. But again, oh. again, if we if we are now in a world where the cap has gone up again, like it had been going for the last two or three years, you're, I don't think you're even talking about this. Yeah, yeah. And, and I get that. And I get that. It's only that. Because we talked you, about that. Sorry, man. I know I've cut you off twice here now. But hey, this is your deal, man. Let when, it go. When we talked last year uh, about how all this ended and they came out 48 hours after being eliminated and said, we're bringing back the big four. I said, then just take some time, man, like go and look at it and see if this still works in this new world, right? If the world had continued on the pace that it had been, I don't think anyone has a problem with Tavares, but it's not that world anymore, right? Like the cap is stagnant. It's not going up. And so no one guaranteed the Toronto Maple Leafs, like it's a gamble that the cap's going to go up, but it always has. So it was a reasonable gamble, but that's not happening anymore. So I think they could have taken an extra day or two in the off season, an extra week or two to see, is this still the model we want to run back? Kyle absolutely gave them a vote of confidence by saying, no, we're sticking with this and that's fine. But the world we live in right now is not the same world that they signed the big four in. And so there is reason. Are, are you talking about cap? Or I am talking about, about st- style of play. No, I'm talking about cap and COVID and the fact that the cap yeah. has stopped moving yeah, yeah. up. For That's sure. Yeah, no. That's and, and, and it's absolutely your, your point is 100% well-made in that it's, it's super unfortunate in a Chicago Maple Leafs slash <laughs> Chicago Cubs. And they're yeah. went forever with is, is you have this team and then you're building and you're hoping the cap continues to grow. And then a, a global pandemic happens and Boom. The caps, the cap stays stays firm in, in where it is. Yep. And as you say, if if it would in a, in a normal, if you go back three years, we may be at an eighty six million dollar cap right. right now, with with looks of a ninety million in the future. Yeah, with the ESPN from, and TNT money coming in, and and, 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 and gambling and and all these other things. Yeah. Right. That that the cap. It's probably ninety grow. this coming summer. Right. That that Toronto has been. Most unfortunately, in a Wobegon franchise, <laughs> that this happens at this time, right? You're like, we got this young core and we're going to go. And my only other issue with that was when you look at your four and, and we talk about the money they're making, and, and let's take that, let's remove money from the scenario right now, mm-hmm. is do you have too much of the same in that four? Would you not like to see somebody who who has a little more rugged up and down? Yeah, Maybe. And I know Dubas has continually doubled down on. Well, he has, has he though? Like, look at the things well, he's done not, over the last year. Yeah, not this, not this last year because Nick Ritchie is paying off Baffle. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but again, and, and but I, we did I the love, Simmons I, thing and the Thornton. I love thing the two-year extension of the of the Simmons. I yeah, love I'm that. Sure, that. you did. I I don't. It, I saw a great tweet. I, I'd credit the person if I could, but since I can't, I'm just rolling out. Kyle Dubas, in in this guy's opinion, Kyle Dubas is the guy who went into the casino, played the odds absolutely perfectly, and got cleaned out by the house. And sometimes that just happens, right? Like, you know exactly what you're doing at the blackjack table. That doesn't mean you win every time, right? And right. and so not everybody has to agree that Kyle has played everything perfectly. He has not. But he has done a lot of things where at the time, most people went, yeah, okay, I could see that. And it just has not panned out. So I don't think it's over yet. MLSE's board may see that differently if things don't go different this spring. But 
I don't know. The, the other interesting conversation about Kyle, I know we've moved a long way from Morgan Riley, but maybe not really, is this knowledge. And I'd be curious because I know you're not always a Dubas guy. If you fire Kyle Dubas in whatever, late April or whatever it would have to be if they flame out again in the first round, there's a really good chance you're hiring someone worse. How many? Mark Hunter. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> like how many GMs out there? And you're a guy who doesn't like Dubas's build, but how many GMs right now would you say for sure are smarter and better? Eiserman, Sakic, Brisbois down in Tampa. Sakic, I'm waiting to see. Right, that to me is uh, Uh, he looks pretty good. (laughs) He's done good. Well, but he he again has not. There's a couple of second round flame outs there, right? And 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 they are with that Landis Cog deal that has the the same you know hallmarks that we're talking about with with issues coming forward, right? That. But, and they have um, Macar, and they have all these other things on on the horizon, right? So right, but he's in that class. Let's just say uh, for for sure. Breezebois sure. down in Tampa. Yep, yep. Well, and, and we'll see what happens with Breezebois now, right? Because to me, well, he's got two cops. Yep, I know, but he inherited a nice. <laughs> I, I know, but what what's what Steve did there, and um, and Steve and I are on first name. Basis. Obviously, a couple good and peeing boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's um, but. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I would say it's going to be hard to upgrade. Like at some point, even if you think he's really good and a lot of people don't, but even if you think he's great and he doesn't win, you get fired. That's the way sports works, right? But now you have to turn around and go, are you sure you're getting someone better? Because firing someone for the sake of firing them while being the tradition, uh, like, I, okay, so here, here's the deal in, in terms of, give me the deal, uh, man. Everybody overvalues their yep. own players. Yep. Right. And and this idea that that Kyle Dubas maybe maybe is even more in that direction, right? In terms of Justin loving Hall. his loving his own guys, yep. right? And in terms of being closely attached to to what he has there. And, and maybe you need somebody who is. Can I give you a good Lou Lamarillo? Oh. Somebody who's less de- more detached. That's what we need is a Zach Parise in here right now. That's... Yeah, no, for sure. But <laughs> hey, Minnesota, Bill Guerin's paying him. That's true. Part of that. Yeah. So uh, can I give you a Ryan Suter and maybe on It on looks like you end? might be able to actually, yeah. yeah. Uh, not bad. I, yeah. I've seen him a couple times this year. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I, you, I agree with you. I understand what you're saying is, is that maybe Dubas at this point as a young GM – and he and he was mm-hmm. both in in years of experience and in in age, right? That that maybe he's learned his hardest lessons already, and that you whether you so. agree or, or agree or disagree with what he's done, that you go okay, he's only going to go on to somewhere else and and be better, right? Like he'll get another job somewhere, oh, and, yeah. and and he'll take what he's learned, the hard lessons he's learned here with Toronto and apply them somewhere else. And you're suggesting maybe it's better to just stay the course and let him apply what he's learned with Toronto in Toronto. I am. Yeah, a little bit, but I am realistic enough to understand that if you just keep flaming out in the first round, you get fired. Like, I don't necessarily think that's wrong, but I'm not convinced that someone better is out there. Once you do it, that's all. I I think there's more likely than not, you're taking a downgrade in the GM position. So do you think, do you think then 
if it, and and this to me is really just a a hypothetical. Yeah. Do you do you think that Dubas needs to flip out one of that core to really sort of show that he's learned or grown? Like just to show he's willing to do it? No, no. Just let's just say I don't know what success looks for in the looks like in the Toronto market this year. If it's if if it's <laughs> right a second now it would be making the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But again. If if it's a second round, if it's winning a round, is that is that success? That's not for me. Okay, but anyways, so if if they lose in the second round, let's yeah, just say sure. they upset the Panthers in the first round of the yeah. playoffs, and then you look at Bobrovsky looking uh, yeah. looking suddenly more Columbus esque. Oh, is an even uh, or odd year or numbered year right now? Yeah, that's the Craig Anderson thing. <laughs> right. That's the Craig Anderson theory. Who's also suddenly found the fountain of youth again. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see. And it's yeah, I know, of course. This. Um, but but again, I, I I love the Andy stories. That's yeah. that's that's awesome. But uh, you know, it's one of those things where you look at Buffalo and you go, "Is that addition by subtraction?" Yeah, it's right? all Eichel's fault, man. Well, I think it's also Taylor Hall's fault. I think there's just a bunch <laughs> of people right there. Um, but yeah, if if you look and you go, if if this team doesn't match whatever is success, when if 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 Dubas is to say, uh, and, and really it comes down to who one of your can wingers. you trade? It's one of your two wingers. Okay. Well, really? uh, Matthews, you're not trading Matthews. You're not trading Austin Matthews. No. And John Tavares has a no move clause and went through whatever to come home. I Well, nobody wants that contract. Probably not. Now, maybe you could do one of those Arizona things or whatever, but he's not going to do that. You're so, retaining more money. So that, yep. that Kessel money you've just yeah, got off the books. Exactly. That fat, filthy <laughs> Phil Kessel yeah, cash. Fat fucking filthy Phil Kessel. Right. You are now taking on more ca- and more than your 1.2 yep, or whatever it sure. is. So, so you're keeping him. So it's either Willie or Marner. Yeah. And so to me, that's Willie because. Oh, you're fucking crazy. That guy's making 7 I, million. Uh, and uh, he's, uh, Hey, I know that. <sighs> but so does whoever you're trading him to knows that. I want to trade Mitch Marner and his, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, theoretic, know you theoretically broken confidence for Jack Eichel and his literally broken neck. That's what I want to do. Matt, then, then I'm going to move John Tavares out to the wing as he ages, and we're going to be fucking killing it. Everybody needs Ginger to win. <laughs> I can see why you would take that stance. For sure, man. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Okay. And you know what? I think that that is the statement right there. Yeah. Because a, a second round loss is in. It, yeah, you can say you improved, but this is year of whatever of this core. You're supposed to be doing better than that. To me, you you got to be at least the conference finals before getting punted this year for you to say this year was successful. I'm not saying that if you make it the second year, everybody gets fired or traded or whatever. I don't know how that's all going to play out. Honestly, it's going to be. They they fired Brian Burke like four days before the season started, um, in that shortened year. The board at MLSE is crazy as shit. I don't know if you've been following the Edward Rogers thing oh, that went down and yes. with Masai Ujiri and how that got. I have no idea what happens at the board level at MLSE, so I'm not making any predictions there. They may show up the day after the Leafs are eliminated, whether it be the regular season, first round, second round, third round. Clear everybody out. I think the only way you guarantee everyone is back is winning the cup and uh, maybe if we play Detroit <laughs> well and, and you know what Matt you have you have touched on it right there if if there's a team that is 
uh, less capable of fitting somebody under the salary cap than the Vegas Golden Knights in terms of acquiring Jack Eichel. Yeah. You you have named the Toronto Maple Leafs as that team. Actually, think- if the Leafs did Marner for Eichel, we'd save cap space. He's of making less he than Marner. Of course he would. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's almost a million bucks there. Yep. Bam. Do that, Matt. So, Frank Saravat, this will be the last thing we hit on here because um, we've gone long, but uh, it's all right. Um, Fr- uh, Friedman reported last week that, uh, yeah, Jack Eichel to the Vegas Golden Knights was very much on the table. He did say later in the week it was starting, it felt like it was cooling off a little bit. Uh, but Frank Saravalli tweeted out over the weekend that he was still hearing that Vegas and Calgary were very much still in the mix. Before we get into whether or not you can actually make this happen, if you're a hockey fan, do you not, like, I don't know if it's crazy Las Vegas spending or whatever like you do when you get there for a vacation. Like, do you not love that every single time a big name comes up, your team's in on it, man, and you got Petrangelo, and you got Stone, and you got Pacioretty, and you came damn close to getting Carlson. That one looks like you dodged a bullet on, but, like, they're in it on every single name that comes up, and here it is, potentially, Jack Eichel might be headed there, and you and I watched the same thing everybody else saw last year in the playoffs. Vegas had a great team, but was weak as shit up the middle. Um as William Carlson suddenly remembered, you know, not that he was an eight goal scorer, but he was certainly not a 40 goal scorer. Who was a Turner Stevenson or I was gonna say, you tell me Stevenson wasn't a first line center. Right. If you could drop Jack Eichel in between those two and then have the Carlson, um, Riley Smith, Marcia. So line, man, that team suddenly changes completely. Like you gotta, if you're a Vegas hockey fan and you bought into this team and invested your emotion and your fandom and stuff, when they, you gotta love that they're in on everything, man. Well, you don't know any different. That's true. Like those people just know, Hey man, if there's a star out there, we might get them. Well, and we've, we've had, you know, a couple of guys just in terms of McPhee and McCrimmon come in there. They got like big old rusty sheriff badges on there, <laughs> but they're just slinging it and swinging it, man. Yes. Like they're just whatever, man. They had all that draft capital. They've traded it away. They've traded oh, yeah. it up. all their little blue chippers. They've traded them away. Right. Yep. And so I, I love, I love when I see that they're talking about, well, they could fit Eichel in there if they put uh stone on LTIR. Right. And you're like, what? Don't you want him? Here? Yeah, and don't you eventually want him to come back? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how that, how those two things fit, but you're like that was how Eichel was going to Tampa too. Now the Kucherov's on, but yeah, but but you want him to. This isn't a 56 game season, right? Well, like, and as it turns out, if 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 Stone just stays out until you know the end of the season, you yeah. know, okay, well, I'm only paying him a million bucks, <laughs> and then we're gonna let him roll in the playoffs like Kucherov, right? Like we're gonna run Kucherov out. With no salary, just for the playoffs, yep. and then we're going to kill it. Yeah, number um, one bullshit. Yeah, well, this is it, and then so um, it, it's it's interesting, right? Because you look at Vegas, who's been sort of underwhelming, right? In yeah. terms of they've had injury problems, and and Edmonton and Calgary have both come out as hot as fuck. Honestly, right? man. In terms of and. and did Edmonton win Saturday night? I didn't see the. They they, they did in, in so a low scoring affair, Matt. So they still undefeated. No, they lost to Philly, I believe, oh, okay. late, late last week. Okay, but they won two one, I believe, over Vancouver. Wow. And now, is there a worse anthem singer <laughs> than the the Canucks anthem singer? Oh, this don't is... give me if you're going to do the Canadian anthem, 
you know what? Sing it. Pittsburgh, maybe. Don't, don't give me Mr. your Mr. Jeff Jamerson. Whatever. Yeah, don't give me your runs and your blah, blah, blah. Just sing the Canadian anthem. The guy in Boston sucks, too. Rene, well, he, Raincore, Ryan, something. Rene, Raincore, with yeah, his fist pump. Just, just fuck you, fuck you, buddy. Well, so he looks like he's been pulled off a Rhode Island, you know, casino somewhere. <laughs> but Ren, Rennie's retired. He, he's, he, he's not yeah, there no, anymore. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But, yeah, sorry. Those, but Rennie Rancour was so bad, he was good. Well, um, and he just reminds me of a lot of bad times, so. Um, okay, well, there you go. But, but the Oilers, but, and you're right, like, uh, it, it was supposed to be Vegas running away with that division Edmonton kind of close behind and then well, everybody Kos- else. Cause Koskinen hasn't figured out that he's Koskinen. Right. Quite yet. Right. Mike Smith remembered he's Mike Smith though. <laughs> well, he's injured. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. And, oh, there's and, but, 40 candles on this birthday cake. <laughs> and, and if you look at, yeah, exactly. My groin is blown. It's totally unraveled. <laughs> um, it's, if you look at, if you look at, and again, I am totally shocked with, with, the Daryl Sutter run yeah. Calgary Flames that they won, I don't know, four nothing last night. Markstrom with his third yep. third shutout in four games. And and that <laughs> team is not just playing good defensive. They're scoring. Mm-hmm. Goudreau is thriving under 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 Sutter. And you're like, I'm not sure what's happening in Alberta, but that seems to be well, I, I think Edmonton is is helping out by their almost 50% power play that yeah, they've been. On, Jesus Christ. Because they went from that like all-time worst penalty kill on the road or whatever. This is like two, three years ago. Uh, to this like all-time legendary power play that is just, man, you better not take a penalty. <laughs> uh, don't. Don't because uh, there, there's so many options. Yep. It, it It's crazy. And, and to me, they move the puck like you would want on a, on a power play. Like, like you'd you, want Toronto. With all yeah. that skill Toronto has, they should be whipping it around like that. Not well, did you not bring anything. in? Did you not bring in the power play coach? Yeah, yeah. he was the AHL coach of the year. <laughs> yeah, Last Chris year we brought in Chris Wyman was the NH, was the AHL defenseman of the year, and then he played two years in the KHL. So yeah, good yeah. for you, Matt. Now he's back on the Habs. Well, last year we brought in the guy who was supposed to save our power play, and I never understood. He was a penalty kill machine in Manny Malholtra when he played. Why are you trusting that guy with your power play? Because you uh, look good year, in Vancouver. I guess so. Spencer Carberry is now the uh, power play coach, and it still looks putrid. Except, except the Spezza unit. That uh, that number two Spezza well, unit. I, I think that first unit needs to stop trying to push everything to Matthews. Yep. Agreed. No, uh, so look, on Jack Eichel, you keep hearing that maybe Vegas doesn't want to give up Peyton Krebs, or maybe Vegas doesn't want to give up Nick Haig. And I'm like, if you give up both of those guys you've created like $2.2 million in cap space. You're going to have to give up something big to get that guy in there. And I, I admire Vegas for wanting to, you know, constantly be in the mix and make this big splat. And with as good as they've been over the years, you might be able to get like, if they could get this done this week, Jack Eichel's in for surgery within a couple weeks. Like he's back for the playoffs and that team would be like really scary but I have no idea how they're creating $10 million in cap space, not just for the rest of this year, but moving forward. Theodore out. Yeah. I, that's some of it, I guess. And yeah, now I'm not as scared of them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. But you to me, have Calgary to. is really interesting. 
Yeah, well, and I, I'm not as uh, I'm not as aware or familiar with the Cal uh, the Calgary. Well, I haven't heard anything going back. It was just Frank Serif. I had heard a, like over the summer Calgary was interested, and then I heard hadn't heard anything for a long time. And then Frank Saravalli posted this weekend that Calgary was also still in the mix. And if you now bump Sean Monahan down to number two center and Lindholm with what he's capable yeah. of doing, slightly more sheltered, I, that to me that changes that whole team too. Well, and and is there a, a more of a Daryl Sutter guy than Jack Eichel? <laughs> I don't know. He really wasn't a Ralph Kruger guy. <laughs> um, and maybe, maybe, maybe Dave Tippett. Maybe Jack yeah. Eichel's a Dave Tippett guy. I, 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 I don't know, but I assume I, Jack Eichel would just be taking over as coach for wherever he ends. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm going to bring in BU guys, and that's it. We're going to go. Nice. Where did uh, Johnny Goudreau play? Was he a BU guy? Uh, I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, he's he a solid Massachusetts somewhere in there. Yeah, he's a beanpot guy. All right. Anything else, ma'am? I know, Matt. I think we've gone over here. Seriously. And we came into this one thinking we might be late. No, it's... It, it, and I've on, never man. stepped it, on anything thinking I might be late, so... Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> hey, hey, one, one leg only, please. <laughs> um, no, it's hockey season, man, and there's hockey shit afoot. Yep. Uh, we'll wind this one down here. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram. At some point, we assume we're getting our Instagram account back, but... At Talk hey. and Audio. Uh, on Friday morning, Creech and Bunda are back. Tee up UFC 268 loaded card going on Saturday. So those guys will be back in. Make sure you catch that one. Rob is on Twitter at Captain Blowhard. I checked in the other day. Not enough you people have made your way over there and, uh, and hit the follow button. So get on that as well. It's true. What are you doing? Yeah, honestly, man. So, uh, we'll, uh, see you on the next episode. Wait, 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 wait. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Just, just a quick aside. Mm-hmm. After last week's show... I tweeted at you with my last of the undrunk gems. <laughs> okay. So this is a, a tragically hip beer. We talked about last week's show. No, is that not perfect? It's not bad. Hey, it's not honestly, bad. Honestly, I'm, I'm in the gym on the Monday and I'm like, Coors Delia. <laughs> and, and, and then I'm like, and it just get, it hit me like an epiphany, man. I'm in the, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my cardio and it's like, Last of the undrunk jams. I gotta get. I, I gotta get off. I gotta get to the gym right now, and I gotta go back and I gotta tweet at Matt saying this is what I got. All right. Last of the undrunk. It's it's an imperial stout. Mm-hmm. You maybe want to be a little careful with it. It's a little boozy. That's Last you. of the undrunk jams. Okay, that's your uh, two seven pointers. Two sevens into this show. I'm nine point seven into this show, and I'm done. And I'm I've got it under my helmet, and we're good to go. Grabbing a handful out of the Halloween bowl before you and Chuck head upstairs to welcome the. Uh, this the, is it. This is exactly right. Nights or whatever. All, all the ca- all the coffee crisp and kick out to get my hands on. It's the coffee crisp, eh? Well, I know it's really the Reese's yeah, peanut butter cups. Always the Reese's. But we waited too long, and we don't have those all boxes. the good boxes. Were gone, eh? Yeah, this is it. And man, that's that's life. All the good boxes are gone. <laughs> I went with the uh, Mars Snickers Twix M and M's box. Ah, uh, see the Twix and Scores. Uh, Those you know are me, my guys. Man, I'm not a scorer. I know, I know, I know. We but the Mars is is classic. Yep. Uh, the Twix shockingly uh, good. Not something I ever. I can remember ever having the big boy on, but uh, you know the I snuck a little uh, one of the little ones out beforehand. And okay, well, good. enjoy enjoy your two. Uh, Little celebrity guests you're going to have in-house. And um, yeah, enjoy the night. 
Enjoy the night, everybody. Enjoy your Monday, unfortunately, is when you'll catch this one. We'll see you all next time on Tall Can Audio. See ya! Now, if y'all ain't got nothing else for me to drink, I'm a haul ass. No, I'm serious. I'm about to haul ass if y'all have no better shit than this to drink. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.